Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Great to be back together again with you this morning. If you've got your Bibles nearby, go ahead and be turning over to Luke chapter 17. Today's December 6th. This is the last month of 2020. And so what that means is that 2020 is coming to a close very, very soon. And I think for most all of us, that could not come soon enough. We can't wait for January 1st when we can hit that big reset button and start over again. What a year it's been. I mean, we've been through more things this year than we could have ever imagined all crashing together in one year. But you know what? Here we are. We're almost through it. We've made it this far. And I'm pretty confident we're going to make it through the end. And uh, Lord willing, look forward to some great things in 2021. We'll talk more about that at another time. But if you had to sum up your life in 2020 in a single word, what would that word be? Now, I know a lot of things come to mind. Maybe you're thinking disappointed, frustrated, sad, bitter, confused, exhausted. What about grateful? Now, I think for at least a few of you, the word grateful did come to mind. But I think for probably at least a few more, the word grateful did not come to mind. Or if it did, it was much later in the, in the thought process. So you had like 50 words before that, and then it's like, oh, well, grateful, yeah. But I think we, we all can and we should be grateful for, for 2020 in spite of all the challenges that we have faced. Now you're thinking, well, I don't have a whole lot to be grateful for. Well, I think you probably do. Listen, listen closely as we go through this, and I think you're going to realize that you actually do have a lot to be grateful for, no matter what you think you may have gone through. I think that gratitude has a lot to do with the level to which you recognize God's daily presence in your life. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at it through a very simple example that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 17. So go ahead, begin reading with me in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now there's a lot going on here, and we're going to break it down. Jesus was on the move as he always was. Right, So Jesus would go from village to village, town to town, and wherever he went, it seemed like there was a crowd. 
either the crowd was following him literally from one village to the next, or some advance notice would get out and Jesus would approach a village and there'd be a crowd waiting for him. But people wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to be nearby. And so they, they, they found where he was, no matter where he was. And oftentimes when Jesus wanted to be alone, what did he do? He got up really early in the morning. He snuck out before anybody knew. And that was his only way to be by himself. So people wanted to be around Jesus. They knew that he brought hope when there was no hope. They knew that Jesus had answers, that Jesus could make things right. And so this story that we're looking at right now is really no different. So let's take a look at it. You've got 10 lepers and they are socially distant as they, as they would have to be, right? Because they had leprosy. In fact, they were in quarantine. So these are terms and, and, and you know, conditions that we're very familiar with right now. You've got these socially distant people and uh, they're in their own little community, this leper colony, and very few people went in and nobody really ever came out. And so for them, there was no hope. I mean, they were stuck there. There was no cure. And so they were just there and, and that's where they were going to die. And they get word that, that Jesus is, is approaching, that he's actually coming into their area. And so they're excited. And so what they do is they, they scream, they yell out to him at a distance more than six feet, right, to be safe. And they yell out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And there's two very important things in that, in that statement. The first is Jesus, Master. Why would they call Jesus Master? Because they knew the authority that he had. And they recognized the power that he had. And, and they were not going to miss out on this. But then they say, have pity on us. And this word pity is the same word that's often translated as mercy. And it's, it's asking or really begging for help with something that you absolutely cannot help yourself with. The only hope you have is through somebody else. Now, picture, uh, picture uh, a convict in front of a judge, okay? And that judge has sole power to either set that person free or send them off to, to prison. Leprosy was like a prison. And those afflicted with leprosy were hopeless and they were, they were cast aside. And these 10 men have but one shot at being healed. And they knew that if we had any hope at all, it was going to come through Jesus. And so look at what Jesus does or more so what he doesn't do. Because if you notice, he doesn't heal them, at least not right there on the spot, but rather he asks them to put their faith and their trust in what he will do. So it's not what he did right there at the moment, but what he is able to do in their lives. And that can be a little bit more difficult. Interestingly enough, in every other story of Jesus healing, it was always on the spot. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Matthew 15, 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. 
And then Matthew 17, verse 18. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. And in fact, there's at least one case, the centurion's servant, where Jesus healed somebody even before he got there. So this was even before the moment, like while Jesus was on his way to go see this servant, he healed him remotely. He gets there and the servant is already healed. So with these 10, while they were still with their leprosy, he tells them to start walking and show yourself to the priests when you arrive. Now, the reason why he said that is when you were afflicted with some kind of disease, the proof that you were well, that you were better and able to come back into the general population was you had to be okayed by the priest. So Jesus is saying, look, still in your, in your, in your leprosy, go be on your way and show yourself to the priest, but don't worry about it because you'll be fine by the time you get there. And I can just imagine these guys walking down the street for one thing, they shouldn't have even been doing that, right? Because they were in quarantine, but just thinking, okay, Jesus says it. And, and as they're walking down the road, you know, looking at each other, looking at their own hands, wondering, you know, okay, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? But then eventually they had enough faith and trust that they were healed, that their leprosy was taken away. And I bet many of us can relate to this very well. And maybe it wasn't leprosy for you. But it was actually something much worse. And in the same way, something that you absolutely could not cure yourself. In fact, it's something that nobody can cure except Jesus. And that's sin. And just like that leprosy, left alone, it will destroy you. And so here's the question. What sin has God delivered you from? Now, maybe this is something that was deeply woven into your character and, and something that wasn't going to, to go away just because you wished it away. But this was something that you knew was going to take time and effort and work and a lot of prayer and a lot of faith in God. You know, I think when we start taking our walk with Jesus seriously, there are certain things that we deal with pretty quickly, right? And almost right away. And we see that in scriptures like this, Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So picture back when you were studying the Bible and you, you saw this, you're like, oh man, that's pretty alarming, right? You saw that list and you're like, yeah, I can identify with a lot of that. But then you saw that, that last verse. It's like, you know, if you stay in this place, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we, we got the message, right? It was loud and clear. And, and God began to work on our hearts and our hearts were convicting us that what we're doing and how we were living was wrong. And although it may have been a struggle and a fight, we were able to walk away from that sinful life. But then there were other things. And maybe these are the, the deeper character sins. And they didn't shake off quite as easily. So maybe you were able to give up the drunkenness 
and the immorality and the impurity, maybe you realize, okay, you know what? That's something I can stop that right now. It's obvious, as the Bible says, so, you know, I'm not going to do that. But maybe there were other things, those deeper character sins, and, and they don't shake off quite as easily as the others. Well, we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. So we, we get that message too, right? But these are a little more subtle, aren't they? But they're no less serious. Sometimes we look at sin and we, we assign degrees of severity. We say, okay, well, you know, immorality, yeah, that's a bad one. Gotta, gotta get rid of that. But, you know, I don't know, unforgiving or, you know, uh, a little, little prideful, no big deal. But they're all a big deal. Because it doesn't matter what the sin is, great or small, little or big, it all separates you from God if it's not forgiven. And so these other ones that we just read about, these are things that you can carry around thinking that maybe all is well with your soul, not realizing the damage that's being done to you. And probably the greatest damage is what you see here in verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. What does that mean? Well, so you've got a form of godliness. Let's say you're, you're coming to church, you're reading your Bible, you're involved in the fellowship, you know, everything, everything looks right. But So you've got this form of godliness. But because these other more subtle sins have not been eradicated and forgiven, you're denying God's power. God's power is not able to really work inside you, within you, uh, as it would if that sin was, was gone. And so that damage is, is also just as bad. And maybe like that leprosy. These were things that you had to walk with for a while, developing a faith that Jesus would get rid of these things. And so either way, whether you were able to stop them right away or sometime later, weren't you feeling great when you were finally free from that sin, when you realized, you know what, this doesn't have a grip on me anymore. Yeah, I'm tempted and, you know... I've got to be careful. I don't want to be naive, but I'm not bound to it anymore. I'm not a slave to it anymore. Didn't you feel great? You were healed from that sin. And not by yourself, but by the grace and the power of God. So what happened right after that? When you realized, man, I've been forgiven. I've been set free from that sin. What was your attitude then about being set free? Was there this initial sense of relief? Oh, yeah, I can breathe. I've got this, this weight off my shoulders. And then you just kind of slowly settled in to your new healed life. Or was there more? And what's your attitude now about being set free? Whether it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, a month ago, a week ago, something that happened yesterday. What is your attitude? What is your feeling about being set free? I mean, be honest. 
Do you take for granted the fact that Jesus fixes things and that Jesus healed you? The more I talked about before is the one thing that we can't afford to be missing, and that's gratitude. So we're going to pick up this story where we left off in verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, besides being a Samaritan, which for, for this lesson simply means that he was part Jew and part Gentile, the difference between him and the other nine was gratitude. They were all healed, but he was the only one that was made well. So what does that mean? So what if I have a really old car? And it's got a beat up, rusted body. And the windows are broken. And the glass is missing in some parts. And it's all dented. And it's got a worn out engine. And so I take this beat up, old, broken window, dented, rusted car to the body shop. And they, they pull all the dents out. They fix all the rust. They replace all the, all the glass. They give it a really nice new paint job. And it looks beautiful. Let's say the car now is in showroom condition. To most people, they would look at that car and say, oh my gosh, I remember what it was like before. It's totally restored. It's completely new again. But the question is, was it totally restored? Remember the worn out engine. What if I never replaced the engine? It's still there. The car was not fully restored, although it might look a lot better, but it was not fully restored. What the other nine received was incomplete. The outside was healed, but the inside was not. And Jesus noticed it and he expected more. He expected gratitude. And it was the gratitude that made the one well. So that car with the bodywork and the new paint job was better but it wasn't well. A new engine, that would have made it well. I think you get the point. See, with Jesus, it's not just about making your life better. With Jesus, it's about making you well. And so what about you? Are you well? Not just free from all that sin that we just looked at, but I mean really well inside. I think that's a very good question. How would you know? Well, I think you would know if you were well by how grateful you are. Okay, so then how do we know if we're really grateful? Well, I think you know the answer to that. Because we know when we're really grateful for certain things, right? When you're grateful for something, you engage. It's like you, you, can't, you can't keep it in. 
It shows up in your life and people see it. And think about the other things in life that you're grateful for. Maybe it's a relationship. It's a husband or a wife or it's your, your children or your family, right? It shows when you're really grateful. Maybe it's a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or maybe it's, you know, just friends. I mean, people know when you're, when you're grateful for something. It can be a thing. It can be a possession. Are you really grateful for, for having a home? You know, maybe that shows or a car or a job. I mean, typically when you're really grateful, you just, it just exudes from you. You can't keep it in. So how would you know if you were really grateful to God for what you've been set free from? Well, that, that gratitude would be the number one motivator in your life in Christ. So what would that look like? Well, a few things to think about. Number one, you would stay far away from whatever that sin was that had a grip on you. If you were truly grateful that, God, you set me free from this, you wouldn't go near it. And so ask yourself this question. Have I gone near it? Have I gone back to anything? Especially in these times right now where there's a lot of isolation and we don't have the fellowship to the level that we used to have. And maybe there's a little more depression going around or a little more frustration. Have you found yourself going back to things that used to have a, a chokehold on you before? Maybe you're not grateful that you were truly set free. Remember how you felt when you realized, man, I've been let out of this prison and how grateful you were then. That's how you should feel now. Don't go back to it. Or maybe a second thing, you would rally behind the fellowship. If you were really grateful that, that God brought you out of that sin and brought you into the kingdom of light, out of the darkness, into the light, man, you would rally behind the fellowship. God has brought you into an amazing family of believers, but not just believers in God himself, but in everything that God stands for and believers in the body of Christ. Jesus was so big on the body. He talked about it a lot. It's who we are together. It's the church. How grateful are you for the body of, of Christ or the body of believers that God has put into your life, especially now? Look, I know things are challenging, and I know it's, it's difficult to have church right now. We've lost a lot of our personal connection. And for a church like ours, that's a big hit. We're, we're huggers. I remember first coming into the church in 1985, and I was really put off by the hugging thing, but I quickly embraced it, so to speak. And, and now, you know, it's like I really miss the fact that we can't hug the people that we, we used to do all the time. Lord willing, we're going to get that back. But for right now, we need to do the best that we can possibly do, making every effort to stay connected in the only ways that we can. Look, I don't like remote, remote any more than you do. Okay, I'm not, I'm not really a, a huge fan of Zoom either. In fact, because I'm here on this side of the camera, I probably dislike it more than you do. Okay, I would much rather be talking to a group of people than into my little camera right now. But you know what? It's all that we and so let's be grateful for the fellowship that we have and make the most of it. 
So be at all the Zoom meetings, be at your Sunday communion Zoom meeting, make it a point to get there. You know, not being there is like going to church and then as soon as the, the communion starts, you just bolt out the door. You, you wouldn't have done that, so don't do it now. Be there, put your camera on, put your, put your mic on so you can engage. You know, be, be grateful for the technology that we have right now that allows us to be able to see and still hear each other. And so when you're there and it's just a name with no sound and no picture, it's like you're not there. Would you go to church and, and sit in the back and put a blanket over you? Would you go to midweek and sit in the corner and put a blanket over you? No, you wouldn't do that. And so let's think, okay, this is all we have right now. So let's make the most of it. Let's, let's engage with these things because that's being grateful for the fellowship that God has given you. And then lastly, if you are really grateful, You'd spend time with God every single day. With all the things that you can't do right now, the one thing you can do is spend time with God. You can pray, you can read your Bible, you can meditate, you can have that deep relationship. So don't lose it. This is the most important part of being well, being close to God. So remember what God has delivered you from. Be grateful and let that gratitude drive you and motivate you and make you well. Amen, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great day. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcasts.